Hello and welcome to Off the Shelf with Phil and Dave, the movie talk show where each week one of us takes a movie off our shelf and presents it to the other and we share our thoughts. This week we've got coming off of My Shelf, 2002's Road to Perdition, starring Tom Hanks and Paul Newman, Daniel Craig, directed by Sam Mendes, mm -hmm. shot by Conrad Hall, Did score, you Jude, Law? Jude Law as well, my gosh. Shit. Uh, we've got a score, <laughs> Thomas Newman, my goodness gracious, uh, star-studded. And here it is, off the shelf this week. Dave, my man, how you doing? How's the week? And what are your initial opinions and thoughts on the movie? What wow. were you, have you seen it before? Oh, he's, the only thing I knew about this movie was Tom Hanks, a kid, a road, and an old-looking car. Okay. That's all I knew about this movie. So I had no experience with this movie at all. Wow. Other than knowing of its existence. And I felt this road to perdition is probably a long road. The speed limit's probably 30 kilometers an hour. Like, I thought it was a long movie, sure. and it wasn't. It was only like Less an than hour. two. Yeah, so I Just, was... But yeah. I don't know why I thought that in my head that it was a long movie, but yeah. And I... You want to know how I feel about it? Yeah, right I now, you're, it's your first time watching it. We've got a brand new movie off the shelf that doesn't happen very often. There's movies you've heard about. There's movies that you've had a long tail, like a a history to it, something like a French Connection, where it's like I've heard that it's this thing for 40 years, and I'm only just now listening or hearing about it or watching it. There's other movies where you've like completely never heard of anything at all, like uh, The Man from Elysian Fields, but you don't know. Like this one, you at least had a frame of what it might be. It's obviously almost right. 20 Small years frame. old, yeah. but it's got a star-studded cast. And so I was wondering, given all of that in your first viewing, did you regret the fact that you hadn't heard about this movie or seen it in 20 years, considering the, the caliber of the people? First of all, I, know, I never regret having not watched a movie. Because the fact that because I get to watch it now, True. and I remember when I've seen a movie like Interstellar, for example, I had watched 12, 13 times. Yes and you're only watching it for the third or fourth time, I'm envious of that. Sure. So you should be envious of me. I am. That's why I want to know more about it. Like, how time. did you take with it? I, I had no idea Daniel Craig was in it. So we're watching the credits. Yeah. And me and my wife are both like, oh, Daniel Craig's in it. Yep. First it was Paul Newman. Like, oh, that, that'll be nice. Yeah. I like Paul. He's yeah. good. He's, He's solid. Phenomenal. Uh, yep. Daniel Craig came up like, oh, okay. Daniel Craig before Bond. That'll be interesting. And then... Jude Law came up like, what it's our the boy. fuck? Yeah. So we were both like really excited. Yep. I don't know for the same reason. It might be for me, it's acting for her. It was just the pretty face, which didn't end up being not, so not pretty. Didn't really pan out for her that way. So we were really excited about this movie because we neither of us knew how many stars were in this movie. Yeah. I literally thought it was Tom Hanks and nice. a kid. Yep. And a car. It's a nice and car. And a road. So that was... We're like, yeah, this is great. Yep. So we, the excitement set it set in really quick. I love Century Twenty Twenty One, Century, Century Fox Twenty One. I love because it reminds me of being in the theaters as a kid, watching Star Wars. Sure, that's my memory of. Da -da -da -da. That's not exactly how it goes. Not even close. <laughs> All right. <laughs> so I'm already excited. The Thomas Newman. Yeah. Not completely familiar with him. He seems like not a guy that I that I'm overly, what's the word I'm looking for? Familiar with. Okay. Uh, but I feel like it's a name that we've done before. Uh, but maybe well, he did in fact score Shawshank Redemption, uh, The Green Mile, did a couple of Bond movies, come with the, the modern 
Bond movies with Daniel Craig. Okay. As well as so he's worked with Sam Mendes before then because I think he did Skyfall. That's right, and he did he, he scored 1917, which is available yeah, in the archives. Yes. There's another Sam Mendes movie that we watch. So this okay. has got that pedigree for sure. Yeah. Uh, it, so you're a sound guy. What were your? I was pleasantly surprised with this soundtrack. It didn't blow me away necessarily coming off the a week of Interstellar. Sure. It's going to be tough to be the Han. Yeah, but it was incredibly noticeable yeah. and very engaging, very compelling. And that's just, that's the movie, really, uh, yeah. to describe the movie as well as the soundtrack. I had it cranked, the Atmos. Yeah, I, I love the score. We'll talk a little bit more about it, maybe at a couple of key points. But I thought yes. generally I was really impressed by it. I like his scores before. He did the Six Feet Under score as well. which Television series. Yeah, which, uh, yeah, which is written by Bravo. Alan Ball. Just kidding, he did the score for American Beauty, which is another Sam Mendes movie that was written by Alan Ball. Alan Ball created Six Feet Under, and then he scored that was as well. Was it a Kevin so, Spacey movie? Yep. Yeah. yeah. And you seen Cooper. the Family Guy version of that? Chris Cooper? No. Okay. Phil, tell me, please, if, if you don't mind, and in your own words, don't use any chat GP. I want to hear from you. <laughs> what, are you what, were, what was the reason why you went to this movie now? I couldn't think of any connection. And I really, I got to know. There was no connection. What it was is I was looking at the short list. As I said before, I've got a number of them. And I wanted to find out for myself because this movie is is one that I remember being very excited for. I absolutely loved American Beauty. I'm, 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 maybe it hasn't held up quite so well. And uh, one of these days we'll take it off the shelf. But that movie had a very profound effect on me in 1999. So a couple years later, I hear... Same director, obviously, same cinematographer, Conrad Hall, who had won the Oscar, I believe, for American Beauty, and just a beautiful cinematographer. And you've got Paul Newman, whom I love, Tom Hanks. We've got Jude Law, whom I had, we had talked about in Talented Mr. Ripley, obviously, you and I, but I mm-hmm. had seen that as well in 99. So the amount of credit, as it were, that this movie had going into it was astronomical for me. I was so excited to see this movie probably saw it opening weekend. I definitely saw it in the theater, but one of, was one of those. Okay. But I don't think I've seen this movie in 20 years. Strangely. I, I For whatever reason... So never I, revisited it. Just rarely. I Maybe one other time. I okay. don't have a Blu-ray. There is no 4K as far as I know. I've never seen one. So I thought it was interesting to me that I have never revisited this movie or haven't in, in again, 20 years. Yet it's a movie with Paul Newman, Tom Hanks, Sam Mendes, <laughs> six Academy Award nominations, great one soundtrack, win, great soundtrack, cinematography. Jude Law the, just before he becomes everybody and everything. So I just thought, what a fascinating relic of this movie. I thought so. I thought it would be it would be fun to investigate how a how it holds up, which is for personally just for my own yeah. curiosity. But also, what and why this movie doesn't have any real cultural legacy. The cast is unbelievable and have all gone on and continued to do things before and after this. Generally, yeah. Yet, the movie itself, I don't think, has a real cultural impact. Which is part of, probably one of the reasons why I never bothered. I'm just going to skip this one because, A, I thought it was a really long movie. I thought I heard somewhere that it wasn't, that, wasn't one of Tom Hanks's good movies. Okay. And people weren't talking about it. Yeah. Like, oh, it wasn't like Reservoir Dogs where it keeps coming up in conversation. That's right. It never really did. Maybe people, unlike you and I, don't necessarily appreciate movies that are based in the 30s. Who knows? I do. Now, at first, this is funny because I actually watched Road to Paloma by mistake with Jason Momoa. <laughs> Not nearly <laughs> as good. I've never even heard of that. 
But do you want to know the most popular movie that's Road to Something? Road in, to... In, in film or TV? No. I don't know. Road to Avonlea. I thought Road to Avonlea. <laughs> it was the highest wow. uh, ranked IMBD with Road 2. And sure. then came Road to uh, Perdition after okay. that. Okay, okay. So, fun fact. I'm just kidding. I was I thinking when, you, when you said that, I was thinking, because movies, I was thinking Road to El Dorado, and I thought very... That, that is that, something. Oh, I know it is. Yes. But I'm saying like, that couldn't have been. That's anime animation, yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you had said tel- when you threw television at the uh, end, yeah, that's yeah. what threw me because I was like, <laughs> then it's got to be Avonlea. Sarah but. Stanley had a crush on Felicity. Good show at CBC. Felix was in there, and it was a great show. Never watched it. Never saw it. Really? Not even a frame of it. No. Okay. I don't know. It well, eluded me. It's a different road for sure. Sure. Yeah. The road to Avonlea is much different than the road to Perdition. My wife asked me, "What is Perdition?" I'm like, well, "I don't know. I haven't seen this." But it's a place. Where there's his sister lived. That explains. I thought Perdition was a road to, it was like a, a road to salvation, like something else. I thought Perdition was like a, a a word. It is. Oh, okay. It's a. What's it mean? It's a state of eternal punishment. Oh. Okay. And damnation. Okay. I figured it had something to do with the movie. I just didn't look it yeah, up. Yeah, I mean, it's me a bit. It's a, of course up. not. Yeah. It's a bit on the nose, but it is something I looked up. Because I had the same. I was like, I had to remember because I think back in 2002, I looked it up because I was like, oh, well, I'm fascinated. And then I was like 20 years later thinking, oh, I think it was on. I think there was something heavy handed about it. And sure enough, you're going to name this movie The Road to Perdition. And I remembered, oh, yeah, it's something like theological. So it's, yeah, it's damnation. It's sins being punishment for them. Unrepentant. Ooh, road uh, to Dalmatian. And a person unpenitent. So it's basically it's about that. It rolls off the tongue. Road to perdition. Sure, sure, sure. Absolutely. Yeah. And then they just tie a, a bow on it by saying, hey, your aunt lives in perdition. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's at that point. <laughs> like, oh, it's just a place. There sure. you go, honey. So I felt bad my wife didn't know what I meant either. So and she's a smart one. So <laughs> give me a little bit of, if you don't mind, you hadn't watched it for this long. And I'm guessing because I had just watching it for the first time and I'm thinking... This is a movie that is, I feel, just as good now as it would have been back then. I, just from minute one, I just it drew me right into 1930s. Yeah, and I think it's because I enjoy that. Of course, that, that that decade. I think there's a lot of things about it I don't know, but I feel I would like to experience living then. Sure, well, maybe not permanently because then I'd be dead by now. But well, now you'd be okay because the, the prohibition was around. So you'd be okay now, but five years ago, you may not want to have lived through the 30s. Absolutely. (laughs) It's been a real struggle. Yeah. I did hear the name Capone mentioned, which which is great. Yeah. So what were were your sort of thoughts around watching again today? Were you as equally excited or did did you find things about it that you didn't connect to as much this time around? I found it strange because I... It's difficult for me to remember exactly what I feel. My feeling was coming out of the movie last. In, in well, I thought you wrote this stuff 20, down in your little movie diary. <laughs> I wish I'd had one twenty years ago. But I do remember being very excited that it was coming out, but also being at the end of the day a little disappointed by it. Wait, and first experience, okay, in the theater, sure. And I think part of that was it was a little soured by the. And we talked a little bit about this with American Gangster, which was it's marketed as Tom Hanks as bad guy, and. That was some of the buzz going around at the time. Yeah, he wasn't. Ooh, it's a darker yeah. turn by Tom Hanks. Which he hadn't really done at that point? Never, really. Or since, really. And I think there was some, maybe a little bit of a letdown on my end because I want to, if you're going to go dark, 
I want you to go dark. The movie in general went pretty dark. Yes, but I want like, if, if, if the marketing is is telling us or the sort of movie is trying to presuppose that he's a bad guy, I want him to be a worse guy. And same thing with Denzel in American Gangster. He's supposed to be this bad guy. He shoots the guy on the street, sure. But you come out of it, he's still pretty likable. Yeah. He's got a charisma. He's got a style you, to yeah, him. Yeah, you have to be above your own self as yeah. a character, which and is I, tough to do. Exactly. Right? And they're obviously, this That's, is Tom Hanks. This is I'm not against him. I thought he did a great job in the role. But I just thought I want him to be darker. And so my takeaway then is I think pretty similar to the takeaway now, which is I don't really connect to a lot of the father-son stuff. Okay. The criminal element... And the gangster of it and the father-son general conversations. Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've got Connor and yeah. Newman's character. And we've got Tom Hanks and Newman's character and Tom Hanks and his kid. Right? There's fathers and sons all over this movie. But the specific stuff with this sort of 11-year-old kid. Michael Sullivan, yeah. I found less than compelling. And not because it's the kid's fault. Like, it wasn't one of those where the kid just isn't any good. I don't think he's great, but, like, kid actors in general, I'm not, I'm, I've never been a fan of his. But he wasn't offensive or anything. But I just, all the scenes where they're trying to teach him how to drive the car, um, like, the light stuff between he and his, fa- and, and, and his son, I didn't love that. I did like when they're angry at one another or the struggles that they both are going through. Okay. But any of that lighthearted stuff with their relationship, I felt a little bit unearned and it took me a little bit just a little bit just out of the movie wincy wincy it wasn't like enough to ruin the experience but i felt similar i probably connected with it more now 20 years later than i did then but it's still the same problem i think i mm. had then it's just that it's a less of a problem now interesting i think i'm in a good spot here because i didn't really have the opportunity to really nitpick true because unlike a lot of the movies I bring off the shelf that we talk about, well, this time around, and this no, I noticed this a bit more. I don't. This does. This sticks out. <laughs> this is the 47th time I've watched yeah. this movie. <laughs> so there wasn't a lot that popped to me. Ah, I don't like that. Yeah. So I, we might come out of this with me liking this movie more than you. Which wow. Would be rare that it's your film. Yes. I think it's been done maybe twice. I want to say we'd have to look back in the archives. <laughs> and that's funny that that I, I end up liking this movie more than you. But tell me, Phil, how did the Academy take this movie? Did it did it win any Oscars? I figured at least there's some nominations. Yeah, I just there there were six nominations, one win. Do you have any guesses, if you don't already know, as to what either the nominations were or what the win was? We can maybe simplify it a little bit by the one win or the okay. other nominations. Two thousand two. Yeah. No, no, I mean of this movie. I know, watching but I'm, it. I'm just thinking if it wins, I wonder what the competition was. Oh, sure. In 2002. Without really knowing that, because my knowledge of that is lacking. Uh, so we have soundtrack, cinematography, I would consider that. Paul Newman was pretty good as a supporting actor. Let's go with that. Paul Newman, supporting actor. That's the win? That's, That's the your win. pick? Yeah. Cinematography? Cinematography. Ah, Conrad Hall won the Academy Award for Cinematography. Yeah, it is good. It is good. You were correct. Paul Newman was nominated for Best Supporting Actor. Do you know who won? I do indeed. Who? Now listen to this list. We've done this a couple of (laughs) times. Don't tell me. Give me the list and then I'll tell you who won. We've got John C. Riley in Chicago, 
phenomenal performance. His uh, singing of uh, Mr. Cellophane, bang on, okay. beautiful stuff. Can't wait to. We've got Ed Harris, Truman Show, off the shelf favorite. Truman Show is ninety eight. Uh, this is nominated for The Hours, mm-hmm. which is an okay movie that he's okay in, but he's always good. Okay, he didn't win. It's a bit of a smallish uh, (laughs) role. I didn't love that. Okay, Um, wasn't him. Next. We've got, obviously, Paul Newman in Road to Perdition. We've got uh, Chris Cooper in Adaptation. And Mm. we've got Christopher Walken in Catch Me If You Can. He didn't have a huge role in that. That's why he's supporting. But there are a couple scenes in that movie that he he, he does some great work with Leo. Okay, it sounds like he won, but I'll go with Chris Cooper. Chris Cooper did indeed win. I had a feeling he had won something down the line. And I like we both... Yeah, he was nominated for American Beauty, and he was really great in that movie, as I recall. And this was a couple years later, and he ended up winning for Adaptation, which is one of my favorite movies of this year that will take off the shelf at some point. He plays better at playing certain characters... But he's so good at playing those certain characters that I'm not surprised along the way he won. Now, I don't know what kind of character he played in Adaptation. Always great. You're going to love it. Okay, I'm excited. When we get that off the shelf next season, it'll be great. All right. Uh, Yeah, Conrad Hall won for cinematography. He was up against Chicago, Far From Heaven, Gangs of New York, and The Pianist. He's the best one. I, I would say mm-hmm. the, of those movies, this one looks the best, and he so the died. System works. He died soon after. So the system is really fucked up most of the time, <laughs> but sometimes, sometimes it, uh, some categories, some moments, you're going like, yeah, that's okay. Sometimes the stars align. That's right. If, if it were a perfect world, then Roger Deakins would have won for something like the assassination of Jesse James, because mm-hmm. it looks incredible, or Robert Elswit would have won for Magnolia or anything like that. Yeah. If uh, it was uh, a different world, Dwayne Wayne would have won. Who's Dwayne Wayne? <laughs> he was in a different world. The <laughs> spinoff of the Cosby <laughs> show. There were Dwayne Wayne and Whitney. Or Whitley. Was it Whitley or Whitney? Uh, Whitney. Whitney. Great show. Anyway, other nominations for this movie are... Soundtrack? He was nominated for original score, sound editing, sound, and art decoration. Surprise, not costumes. But the art decoration in this uh, movie is pretty incredible. Just from a stylistic perspective and all the trades people involved in it, it's one of those movies where everything gets to shine. Your set design, your art direction, your costume, your score, your cinematography. You've got a lot to work with. You've got mm-hmm. the 30s aesthetic, which we both have expressed our love for. Yeah, Tommy gun. <laughs> Absolutely. Long trench coats, yeah. hats, fedoras. There's a couple cigarettes, of scenes where they uh, really cigarettes. make it pop a couple of scenes where you just got you know, the rain couldn't Phillip, be framed any better the rain is, is as good as it's ever been I love a 30s rain again technically I, i'm not surprised to see the nominations i was a little surprised back then that it didn't win more but certainly when you hear conrad hall's name it makes sense yeah. when you're watching this movie that the cinematography this is incredible yeah no all those movies in 2002 don't really pop for me but then again i'm not that's not my chicago best picture yeah that's right? got ewan mcgregor in it isn't it no okay moulin rouge which was i think the previous year <laughs> that's right yeah uh chicago's Catherine zeta jones yes douglas renee zellweger uh, douglas's bow and uh yeah and uh, john c Riley. there you go yeah. john c all right, Philip. That's uh, all right. Well, this. Do you want to take a start this trek down this road to perdition? Uh, Absolutely. Uh, I, first off, I want to say I don't think we've ever visited a movie 
with a bike in the winter, a bicycle going through the snow. I think that's a first, I it would say. It could be a first. Yeah. yeah. So that was a, The archivist will have to figure that out. Uh, yeah. My <laughs> wife listen to all of our podcasts and watch every movie and let us know. My wife was like, oh, I thought he stole like gum or a chocolate bar. He stole a pipe. Yeah. That was funny. So the kid's just a thief. Or alcohol or tobacco, I think. He has a pipe. I think he stole tobacco. Yeah, that makes more sense. Yes. Yeah. yeah but yeah, he's a thief. Pipe. And there's a great little scene where it feels like the shopkeeper is annoyed with him on some level, and then he pulls down his mask or scarf, whatever, to indicate who he is, and that seems to carry some weight. Oh, that's yeah, how I interpret it. Sullivan, that. yeah, right. Yeah. And so I thought that was a subtle way to before we Very know subtle, anything about what <laughs> <laughs> before we know anything about anybody in this movie, right? So literally the first scene, sequence, whatever else. Sure, yeah. Um, I thought, oh, that's interesting. A little bit of, do you know who I am? It's funny you mention that because a movie like this has me like, okay, who is this? Who is that? Who's related to who? Yeah. There is a little bit of that in the, at the beginning. Yeah. But not in, oh, man, I'm confused. I can't follow this. Oh, I'm going to find out. I could look it up. Sure. And, and Let then, the movie tell its story, right? Yeah. yeah. Like at first, I think okay, all three of them are his son. Like Daniel Craig, Rooney, and Syrian Hines. You don't know. He gave the speech at the wake, and he was a little bit drunk, and they didn't want him to talk. Oh yeah, I didn't look up any of those. Oh, things. he's in some of all fears. Yes, he played a Russian. I think it's Kieran. Kieran, I think. Oh, see, ya. come on, man. I think it's not my fault. Do you want to tidy that up? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not my fault. It's a C. It's not a K. In my other podcast I do with football, I mess up every name. Oh, but yes. it's almost like a joke at that point. Uh, here's a funny story about a name and an Irish name at that. When I worked Murphy. at the video store right there on the beach in Vancouver, yeah, a couple of very cute Irish girls come in for looking for jobs. Yeah, hand me the resume. Resume. One yeah. is C I A R A, Sierra. That's what I thought. Her name, Kira. And the next the one same, that same came in with an N on the end. That's all the same. Spelled. Give me a hard time with the same thing. N I A M H. Mm-hmm. I was like, I don't know. And she said, it's Neve. Yeah. So I'm not judging you for mistaking oh, a I name that. Uh, from that part of the world because they're oh, very strange. Thank you. Thank you for uh, letting letting it slide. So, yeah. So I'm not sure who's who. I know Newman seems to be the father figure of at least of one or two of them. Yes. And he's obviously a prominent yeah, he uh, says it's like you, you, we lose one, one of us, we all lose, or whatever else. There's some indication yeah. that there's a hierarchy of something. Yeah, and I felt like Peter, I think, is the other son's name, I'm not mistaken. Yeah, Peter and Mike, yes. they go to him as if it's his grandpa, and he's joking yep. around them. It took a little bit to figure out the who's who, but I obviously was never really concerned. Because there are some movies where it really is like, who the, who's this? And they're saying names. And I don't know what it is about those movies. I think you probably experience the same thing. And there's two that sometimes have a similar name. That kind of gets you mixed up and confused. I know we've done that often. Okay, maybe it's just me. I think, you know, it's it's very common in modern times because of the second screen business, right? Flags of Our Fathers. That is one. Okay, that's the one I'm thinking of. But movies like that are very accurate, yeah, because in the war movies in particular, it's just whiz, bang, boom, darkness. It's like, I don't know who the hell anybody is. So that's true. (laughs) Yeah, so I think it's more war movies probably in general. Just the speed, like the running around, people are flying left and right. Yeah, Yeah. that was an issue for me for sure. Yeah. Yeah, I like that it opens with the wake. You get a sense of... It's fun. Of... Tom Hanks is the gravity that he has as he walks in. Kids are still in awe of their fathers in this era. 
Uh, yeah, a little well. like scare, like a little fear and respect. Just a little respect and a little unsure. We don't know yeah. what he's doing or who he is. Well, we they, get that right at the beginning when he's upstairs at home mm-hmm. before we get to the wake. Exactly. And he comes up to ask, tell his dad he's it's supper time. And I didn't, I didn't really care for Tom's thank you. No, he's, he's he's a jerk. Is what yeah. the whole thing is. I just thought I didn't like that line. Like last week's son of a bitch. I didn't like it. Yeah. yeah. Right. We'll add it to the list. There. <laughs> the, yeah. Cut this line. Yeah, I just I thought the gravity of that and that era is a thing, and we touch on it a little bit as well in a Christmas story, right? Where where daddy's gonna dad's gonna beat you up when you get home or whatever else. There's this fear of the fathers that was evident and more so in those years where you got beaten pretty good, I imagine. Yeah. Keep um, going. But I, I thought it was really good, and I like that he's trying to take a somber. I don't want to see the dice. I'm laying down the law, and then of course, like you're saying, Grandpa is there to mess around with it. So. I, I like that it sets up those relationships and introduces the characters and so forth, but it's not in any rush to tell its story. It's just laying out this moment. I like the way they handle the drunk guy who starts up, he's about to call out Newman's character and yeah, Kieran, oh, Kieran, yeah, great, great, great speech, and they usher him out. I was like, yeah, that's pretty clever. That was Finn McGovern. Yes, that's right, Finn. Yeah, love him. What do you think of the? It's funny that the how they used to do it back. Hey, wakes look a lot more fun. Sure, in the especially 30s. an Irish wake, and that's a yeah, thing. and the ice. Yes, yeah. I didn't realize they had done that. It makes sense because of just of the way of technology. Yep, the funeral technology. Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yeah, it's, cool. uh, it's a. There's a symbolism that's we're all gradually melting over time, you right? Or let's put this guy on ice. Absolutely, that's where that term comes from, for sure. That's the origin. Yeah, go. especially in a mafia sort of world. Yep. I feel like that's where... Yeah, going to ice them. I yeah. that stuff is, is exactly yeah. right. I do enjoy, and, and not sure if you caught it or cared, but there was the the end of Newman's speech before he introduces asking, hoping that he's in gets to spend at least an hour in heaven before the devil knows he's dead. Yeah, that movie. Available in our See, archives. Philip Seymour Hoffman popped in my head. Like, oh, yeah. Absolutely. That's just a, a really... It's a common phrase people used to say it. Yeah, yeah. I hadn't really heard it, but I could see why it was popular because it just like sends like chills. chill up your spine. Yeah, yep. so I, I did appreciate that line. Yeah, and, it, just and it made me well. think of that movie, which I love so much. So I was like, oh, that's that was a great movie. We should watch that again. Yeah, <laughs> and I think it's just a great delivery by by Paul. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. God bless him. What are your thoughts on like they do a very good job? I think it's very effective to set up the relationships and connection between Tom Hanks's character and Newman that, that scene at the piano and Daniel Craig's reaction to it I really felt Mendez as a director is very willing to take his time and in this movie it's it's just taking his time right that scene where they're both playing the piano Newman starts playing quietly Hanks quietly slowly walks up to him sits down starts playing and we get nearly a whole tune played that's not typical in a movie in general but certainly not nowadays and you who's been adult minded by the what the hell does that mean <laughs> i was just saying no, in terms of our all of our attention spans have been blown up over the last 20 years yeah in a way to that sequence the look in his eyes the sweat even and how fucking hysterical out of place he is and then he has that great line it's also fucking hysterical to the kid i just there's something chilling about that i just love that little three and a half minutes so much about it tells you things about the characters 
I like movies that do that, where it's I, not about dialogue. It's just set the scene. Well, a couple of things uh, to on your thought there is there was never a point in this movie, and this is I'm this is a me problem generally is that attention span. You got to keep things more than just moving. the first fifteen. Yeah. And I found this movie engaging from minute one to minute one forty eight. I was never bored. I felt the pacing was pretty damn perfect, in my opinion. It a scene like that scene to me didn't feel that long. It felt like it went by pretty quick. And this movie, for everything that you just said, didn't really sink in for me. The first like when I watched it this time around. Yeah, that's something I would gather later on another watch. I didn't quite get the dynamic of where is Daniel Craig coming from? Mm. What's the relationship between these two? So it didn't all sink in at that time, even though it took a little bit of time with the tune. Mm-hmm. I get the general idea. Of course. Like he's a guy they took in as a son. Sure. But Loved I didn't him re- like a son. Sure. It, I had feelings around the town. Sure. That are similar to how I felt around this when it came to none of this happens. The story doesn't exist without a hothead. Yep. Every problem comes 100%. from this guy, yep. this hothead. And it didn't really bother me, but it, I just thought it was funny. You take that, you, if you're not a hothead, this, yeah. none of this happens. Everyone lives happily ever after, generally. Or you continue about your business. That's right. Yeah, life just moves on. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You, yeah. you go and talk to the guy, Kieran. You don't kill him. You just mm-hmm. talk to him. It's fine. And I think it's my fault that I didn't. it didn't all sink into where, why is he a hothead? Sure. Because I didn't like... Renner was Jeremy Renner. Yeah, Jeremy yeah. Renner. I felt that if you recall, yes, absolutely. Like I didn't get enough depth of his character. Like, why are you a hothead? It didn't really dive into that. Yeah. And so why didn't Ben Affleck's character is like you're just a problem? Yes. Go away. Yeah. So a little bit that in this movie, but that's basically it. If I was to say something that I didn't quite get all of, it would be that relationship. Yeah, I think actually this one is probably easier to define than the Renner one because I agree. Like in in that. There's a couple other movies that maybe will come off the shelf eventually that have that dynamic where at some point you just think, why are you keep letting this person into your life? Everything they bring to you is bad news. Um, but I found this one to be easier to define, which was A, he's his son, the son of a powerful man. So you, he is protected generally. So he has the weight to be a hothead because he knows that he's okay, like he was going to get away with a few it. Free passes. Yeah. And the other side of it is, I think this movie does a pretty good job of setting it up both early and throughout the whole movie is that father son thing that he watches his dad's love of Sullivan and can't help but be jealous of it because. I think he can. I don't think he had to be. I don't think there's anything there that he had to be jealous about. I think if you're. But I'm thinking the best of the person. Yeah. And clearly Connor is not. Well, I just think, you the know, there's a, a scene later on, and we'll, we'll get to it maybe more generally or specifically, but the where Michael asks his dad, did you love Peter more than me? And there's this question of, mm-hmm. I remember that, well, yeah. I love you both the same, but you're different. He was just a, such a good-hearted boy. You were more like me. And I didn't want you to be. That's an amazing line. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I thought just a beautiful scene, which, again, we'll get to, but... Just in terms of the conversation, anytime there's siblings, right? These are questions that siblings wrestle with, I think. Yeah, I suppose At so. all times. And so if we're taking it, not literally siblings, but figuratively siblings, mm-hmm. there is an indication, whether it's 
accurate or not, but that Connor Justified feels or, yeah. like he feels that way. Sullivan talks later to Michael saying, I just, you're not me. You're too much like me. I don't want you around. I would, would rather, I connected more with this other kid who was just a lovable guy. I wouldn't say the reasons are the same, but I think that's where that those scenes all come in. And I think that's laying that groundwork early with Connor is that. So that now, do you feel they did enough to portray that, and yes. not just the fact that he's a hothead? No, the hothead part is like it's just you know it's plot, right? Like it just has to be a, yeah. a hothead. There's because again, like you're saying, there is no movie unless that happens. And I mean, you could look at any movie like that. If this doesn't happen, like they call it an inciting incident for a reason, right? This is the thing that happens that mm-hmm. starts the whole thing. If the shark doesn't eat the kid. <laughs> or Jaws like Chrissy, never comes to then be. like the story doesn't happen. So movies have these things that happen, right? So the hothead part, I, I feel totally justified. It wasn't any issue for me, but it's really about the jealousy and it's really about the father-son relationships that this movie is really hanging on more so than the hothead business. That's what gets the plot moving, but uh, it doesn't have the weight. Like it, the movie doesn't hang on it. It just is the impetus for what happens next. But the father-son relationships are what the movie is about ultimately, I think. Yes, I would agree. That's definitely plays a prominent role in the film. One thing I will say about Daniel Craig is I love watching him act pre-Bond. Couldn't agree more. Cowboys and Aliens, correct me if I'm wrong, I could be, came out after his first James Bond experience. Yes, he had done Quantum of Solace. And Casino Royale, both before Cowboys and Aliens. Okay, that makes sense. And then Spectre or Skyfall came after that. Yeah, yes, yeah, Skyfall I think was 2012. And 2015 was Spectre. Correct. Yeah. Yes. I got the box set, buddy. It's you, coming. You got it. Absolutely. It's coming. You got it. Sooner or later. He has some acting chops in this movie where, that I really appreciated from those moments of it's fucking hysterical. And later, he played the hot, plays a hothead pretty. I don't like the hothead, Phil, but he played the hothead really well. So I thought he, it was interesting to see him in this role. Yeah, I haven't really seen a lot of him really speaking. Yeah. But when I do, I'm reminded that I like him. Cowboys and Aliens notwithstanding, because I didn't think he did anything yeah. really good in that. He's thinner in this. He's not, it's not all about the being in shape. Of course not. And he's not the suave guy. No. He's just, he's an antagonist. Really? For sure. Uh, yeah, I don't even know why I'm questioning that. He's definitely an antagonist. <laughs> he's, he's really the villain, effectively. Yeah, the there's no bigger villain in this movie than him, Yeah, ultimately. I loved him in The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. That's the only other real yeah, thing I never that watched I saw him in that movies. I liked. So, yeah. But yeah. yeah, Bond movies, I have never seen. But the as an actor, I thought he was excellent in this. And it's, it is nice, similar to Jude Law as well, where which we'll get to when he is introduced. But the idea that you're getting these huge actors now right like the names that you recognize and so forth and you get those early roles you get those things where they're under the radar or whatever else yeah and during an era that it's fun to play a bad guy too in the yeah, 30s yeah for so. sure absolutely and i was those were a couple of things that we talked to you mentioned earlier about watching the credits and so forth that was it where i was like oh i know that name and i didn't in 2002 but he stuck out as being like oh that's a good actor but i never followed him right it was just mm-hmm. oh i like that character and moved on and now, with 20 years of history, you're like, oh, shit, that guy happened to be in this movie. And Jude Law was the same. He was just, I had known him in Ripley, obviously, and loved him so much mm-hmm. that we spoke so effusively of him in that movie. Yeah. And then later in 2004, 5, 6, he was in 
a lot of movies. Repo Men. Just to name one. That was 2010, actually. It was later. Uh, a little later. But that era it was just ubiquitous. And then here it's, oh, and you're uglifying yourself coming out of yeah. Alfie in 2004, or five, something like that. But yeah. just you're going to make yourself ugly for this movie. Yeah, you look gross. Two years, late, two years after you were the most beautiful man <laughs> in, in yeah. Italy, right? Like, I, I really took to that as well because I'd already been a fan in sure, Ripley. Yeah. So anyway, but it's nice to watch those early scenes and, and those early roles. And speaking of the hothead, uh, this is the scene where where obviously it it manifests. We've got the killing of Finn. They're mm-hmm. just going to talk. Hanks is pulling up. We got rain again right yeah. right away. It's beautiful. It's rain, man. And they go on the run. They've now talked to Pop to find out what he does for a living and all this kind of stuff. And Michael is getting a little more curious. Little uh, yeah. And he stows away. But how? He does I'm just, away, just going to say I love the way that this sh- this scene is shot. Like and the POV of the kid or? All the POV of yeah. the kid. You're getting people in and out of frames. Yeah. It's this movie not, does that very well throughout. Though, it's so. not. The camera is static and still. So you're all, you're hearing things again in, in a good mix of oh, yeah. sound. Hell of a mix. You're, the dialogue. You're watching things unfold. But. You're not your camera isn't telling you where to go. You're just watching it static, and people are coming in and out of frames, low angles. Yeah, a lot of feet. I remember seeing that's it. He's at the ground, right? So I just everything about this sequence, I adore. What were were your thoughts? They could have shot this. I want to say, for lack of a better term, normally, and I probably would have thought much of it. But because they choose these creative avenues of shooting it. Then there's a discussion. Yeah. Oh, I love it. It's noticeable. Like they, there's effort in like already in this movie on how it's shot, 100%. the choices they make. So it just gives me an indication of I think this movie is. I think they might win an Oscar for cinematography. <laughs> I think I'm, I think it's in the cards. You're right. Movies obviously are a collection of choices that are made and so forth. But yeah, when you're choosing this, there's specific reasons that you like to your point. They may have spent a little more time yeah, to make storyboarding. It more, to make, more compelling. Yes. And, and to, to hammer home that it's the kid's POV and it's Maybe. more than just an interesting shot. There's a context that it allows for. Yeah, and I think a movie like this where I was worried because at first I thought it was a long movie. Is it going to keep my attention? And yeah. I think by making these choices, it helps for maybe some slow times in the movie where the dialogue's a little bit slower. They're trying to set things up. They're... You go, okay, just waiting. Yeah. It, it keeps you engaged, I think, as a viewer. So I think it's a, a smart move, generally. Uh, 100%. I, I just, I, I love so much of how that scene plays out and then obviously culminating with Michael discovering the kid in the rain, cowering against the gate, doesn't know what the hell's going on. And, and I love Connor's line. Like, I, that's enough for me. Yeah. Like, he's your son. Yep. It's enough. Yep. It's not, but it's not. turns out, yeah, but <laughs> not so much. He delivered it. What I felt was wholeheartedly, but we, we don't know how far off the rocker he That's is. It. Can he keep a secret? Yeah, good yeah. enough, so forth. And then we yeah. get Newman soon thereafter, paying Pain his debt visit. to the yeah. kid. We keep our secrets, but already now Michael's got suspicions and a little uh, frustrations. We see it later too. It's just the plates or whatever. Yeah. He's obviously repressing. He's changed. He's different. The kid, hundred percent, and really, he should be. I would hope so. <laughs> it's not twenty twenty. He's not desensitized. That's right. So, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, some senses. Yeah. And it's not long after that where they're at the table. Yeah, absolutely. That that's another great after the killing, and oh, they have gosh. to. Then we see some people we've seen before. 
the accountant guy. I don't, don't remember his name. Dylan Baker. Yes, Dylan yeah. Baker. He's Great. popped up. So Great he seems actor. to have a... He's pretty animated. So, yeah, I love the whole table. I love how so it's good. shot. I love the conversations. I love the presence of all the characters. And I love the conversation. It really feels... Yeah, this is 1931, dude. Yeah. It's really good. Yeah, you get the and moment. The apology Newman well. gets a real moment here to show not only just a performance as an actor, but also as a character. You get the sense of his strength and you get that relationship and... You also see that he's not doing Connor any favors as the hothead by singling him out, giving him the business in front of everybody. Embarrassing him. Embarrassing. embarrassing so there is this, but it's such a great scene where he's forcing him to apologize and I'd like to open, he slams it down. You'd like, like to, write, to There's so much try again and like the attitude of that, it's just a powerful <laughs> scene. Yeah. yeah. And it's... It's just classic father-son stuff, right? It's not enough, right? I don't know is not a good enough answer, right? It's a bigger version of those kind of kitchen table conversations that you may have Mm -hmm. had with your dad. It's a different table, yeah. It's a different type (laughs) of situation, right? The gravity is bigger, but the subject is the same or like the tone is the same. And you don't want to be called out. You don't want to be embarrassed by your father, but you also need to be taken to task for your deeds. So I really love the scene overall. This point, me and my wife, at the same time, we still haven't seen Jude Law. We were in the movies. We're enjoying it. This is a good movie. And we're like, oh my God, we still haven't had the introduction of Jude Law. Yeah. So that was like, wow, this movie's doing pretty well for itself. Yeah, sure. In my opinion. I'm pleasantly, not that I was expecting bad, because I, I stumbled across the score. So I knew I wasn't. it wasn't going to be terrible. But at the same time, like maybe it's not my kind of movie. Though I'd be surprised if it wasn't because of it's in the 30s. Yeah, yeah. I seem to... It's already know. got a It's already yeah. got a leg up. I think right? I forgot that how much I, I enjoy movies that take place during this era. Yeah. As it were. Um, and then I think it's pretty close after the table scene. And you can lead us into, I believe, the what I wrote down as the dance hall visit. They mm-hmm. have to go pay a visit and Connor hands Mike a letter here you got it. this guy's late yep did you know something was a little amiss maybe with what was in that yeah letter? I had I, even intentions? even 20 years ago I got the the sense yeah, of it because I forgot by the time we're about oh, yeah. 40 minutes into the movie at this point so there is that feeling of we need the movie to start right the, the groundwork has been laid we know the relationships, we know the circumstances, we now have had this big hothead moment, but we need the consequences of that. Mm-hmm. And so when he says, give this letter, and Mike being a good soldier doesn't look yeah, at it, just, doesn't read it, whatever else, sure, just yeah. trust it all. This leads to a moment where I think it's humorous, but I think it's disingenuous to what the movie I want to watch, which is the sequence okay. where he meets up with the bodyguard, he shows up at this club, and the bodyguard, hey, I'm Michael Sullivan, and whatever, I want to see the song. And there's a uh, flummox, like, uh, he's trying to, like, hey, I can work for you, whatever else. And he says, should I frisk you? And Hanks is affably saying, I would if, if I yeah. were you. And he finds the gun, and that's the only one, and so forth. There's a casualness and a comedy bit that I think Tom Hanks as an actor and, like, just having him in the movie, it just naturally comes off. Mm-hmm. And I think... I just want a more serious version of this movie. And that's not... It's not like this movie is not serious. It's pretty serious. But all the moments that it isn't, I find... I just want to get back to the serious stuff. So we mentioned earlier, I mentioned earlier, teaching the kid to drive, this and that. Those are moments where a movie is deviating from what I want 
the sort of dark, okay, heavy. You really, really want it tight the on those rails. types of stuff. That's yeah. what I'm really into. And anything outside of that. So this is just a line. It's part of a larger thing. But it's, I don't want my comedy thrown in there. And it happens later with the bank manager. Like there are things that the movie tries to break its seriousness. And Tom Hanks, I don't think, can help himself. And it's not necessarily his fault. It's just his character. It's just his person. Like he's a funny guy. Yes. And I think I've if you're big, that's great. Hilarious. It's great. Splash. If you're gonna put him in a movie, you're gonna <laughs> money pit. You <laughs> I can go on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Available in the archives. <laughs> yeah, I had no issues at all with anything trying to be too funny. So maybe the moments were just too too few and far between, or I'm just too compelled by the film to notice. Sure, that's fair. And I love this guy. He's going to see. Oh, he's so great. I've seen him before, but he's just perfect. Yeah. He's hopped up on whatever. Hopped up exactly. Hide, trying to get rid of the weed, hiding the gun, and yep. everything, and he just plays this perfectly yep. for the paranoid, strung three, out. Yeah, for the three minutes he's in this movie, That's should be all. also nominated for best supporting actor. <laughs> yeah, I thought he was great. I thought that whole sequence is great. I like the tension of it, the curiosity, the build up, and obviously the end result is. Yeah, Hanks. I didn't, and I again, I, I thought for a second there was something up with, that didn't sit well with the letter, but I didn't piece it together. Yeah. Until we actually see what it said. Yeah. And I thought, oh, shit. I, this is where this movie's going. Yep. The guy went in completely blind. Yes. Now I'm getting to... You know me, Phil. I'm a little bit a little slow. slow. I'm a couple steps behind. A new Kids on the Block, I'm always two steps behind. No, that's... Uh, Case in point. Def, Le- <laughs> Def Leppard, sorry. <laughs> two steps behind. Uh, yeah, step by step is... Step by step, <laughs> yeah. New kids. I get my new kids on my Def Leppard mixed up all the yeah, time. They're, you and the I world. had them on the same playlist. <laughs> So I think that really sets the tone to what we, or almost sets the tone to what we expect. And it gets really dark after that. Yeah, he rushes home at this point, right? Because now he knows, Yeah. wait a minute, Yeah. it's coming. They don't, they don't so, trust this my kid. But they don't trust me either, right? Yeah. They want me dead. So if they want me dead, they probably want the rest of them dead too. Yeah. So he rushes sad. home to find out that Jennifer Jason Leigh, whom we haven't talked about, who's a big actor... I recognize the name. She's in Fast Times at Ridgemont High, single white female, the anniversary party. She's in The Hateful Eight. She's just been in a ton of of movies. She's been working forever. Okay. And Miami Blues, she's in Park of the Vicious Circle. She's in... Miami Vice or Varsity Blues? Are you making those two up? No, Miami Blues with Alec Baldwin. Okay. Anyway, she's just... She's everywhere. And here's this movie. She barely has a line of dialogue. I remember even watching it 20 years ago thinking like, oh, I love Jennifer Jason Lee. She seemed lovely. And then she's three lines maybe, and then she's dead. And the whole family gets murdered. The son half and daughter. Of, literally half, half of the, the family. Half the, movie, half, the family. half the family gets killed. <laughs> Off screen, which I didn't love, but I respect. And Yeah, well, that's this, I'm glad this wasn't a Tarantino. Yeah. I would have been okay with it. Yeah, I'm sure he would have been sicky. But I like that the stakes of this movie were that high that you're going to kill a kid. More movies should do it, and movies like this can have some real stakes attached to it. So the fact that they're going to kill a, a woman and a nine-year-old kid or whatever else is pretty ballsy. And yeah. I like Connors. He's not... You can tell he's not really even capable of it. Like, he did it, but he's you know, he's put out by it. He's sweating a lot and whatever else, and he's got his composure. So I, I like that whole scene. I thought the whole sequence was really good. I thought he had a sweat gland condition. The kids fall. It's, if you really peel this movie, you got a hot head and you have the kids for the, for stowing away. Sure. If he doesn't stow away, no problem. Kids being kind of got his family kind of killed. A little precocious, and look what happened. Yeah. Absolutely, yeah. it's on him. And I do like they address that later in the movie. Sure. I feel it's my fault. Of course. No, clearly it's 
not. But it is. But if you go deep enough and you want to be an asshole, then yeah. He's a thief right from the start, stealing shit. So he's not a good kid. Just kidding. He's fine. Well, after the brutal (laughs) myrtles. Uh, The brutal murders. Try saying that. Brutal murders. That's tough to say. Uh, There's an altercation between Connor and the old man. Obviously, Newman's character, we'll call him Mr. Rooney. Fair. (laughs) Fair. He's pretty level-headed. Like he's he's a smart. You don't guy. get to be there, right? You got yeah. a big picture head. You've, he you've, runs the town exactly. And so obviously, part of this movie is about having an idiot son. <laughs> <laughs> We've seen it before. It's it, this movie does it well. Sure. Uh, what were your thoughts on that scene where he basically just starts pounding on him? And I love it. Connor kind of turtles. I love it because turtles and myrtles. What I love about <laughs> it is the conflict that exists in Newman's character. So Rooney is confronted with this i curse the day you were born it's harsh you're and especially like in in irish catholic 1930s i curse the day you were born means something more than somebody that just watched jesus christ superstar a couple times a year to connect to god (laughs) so the weight of that is i think larger in this context of the movie but the sequence in which he's just berating him and beating him down literally and then Consoling him and hugging him because it's still his family. And so there's this push-pull that, that Newman conveys mm-hmm. that I just fucking love. And yeah, the, a, a fragility that Daniel Craig, who's just coming out of this hothead, swaggering murder spree from Finn to, to, to Sullivan's family, to be browbeaten like that, just as he was at the table the previous scene the power that Newman still has in his 80s or whatever. 74. 74 years old. <laughs> to be able to still have that power over him, not just verbally, but also physically, I thought was really powerful. And the ability for Newman to convey all of that while still ending the scene, cradling him, wondering and wishing that things were different and knowing what the next steps are going to have to be, I thought really powerful stuff. Which, again, I... I connected to and then leads directly into the scene with Hanks that's coming up. Do you have, what do you, like, were you, when Hanks shows up and Rooney offers him 25000 just to walk away, is half your family worth twenty-five grand In 1931? <laughs> take them all. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Here's, I'll give you a chain. A couple of siblings. Sure. I'd take kind five of grand. I'm not yeah. very good at negotiating though. <laughs> There's, uh, pro- there's probably just dude take obviously you can't take the movie because the money because then there's no movie for sure but i'm thinking just take the money just it's just i don't want anyone else, i'm the guy i don't want anyone else to get hurt is my thought process sure. as just a human watching a story yes but ultimately that can't be yeah but, i i really like the scene i like again coming from the newman craig scene which is both anger and rage and frustration and and disappointment and so forth to the scene with Michael where it becomes more there is more of that father-son love in there I don't want what's going to have to happen I don't want to there's more respect there yeah respect each other exactly and wants to offer an out right I don't because Newman as you're saying level-headed big picture guy head of the family whatever the case that the consequence of what's going to happen, he sees it already. So he knows that if... He's got foresight. That if these things continue down the path that they're going to go down, it's not going to end well for anybody. 
whether it's Connor and this, whether it's whatever the case. So I just like that this scene, these movies have to have a scene like this, I think, Mm -hmm. but I think it's as good as any of them are. And it really does set the tale because at this point, Hanks knows he's only really got one option, which is to, as he alludes to his son, we're going to go to Chicago. There's a guy that runs things that I need to talk to. And it's an allusion to Capone, who's obviously yeah run, looms very large over Chicago in the early 30s. But I like that it doesn't even need to be named, right? It's just I have to go to Chicago, mm-hmm. talk to a guy about a thing. And that's enough. And then we get a road trip moment. Long scenes. Again, doesn't cut right to Chicago. We get the sense of driving. We get the sense of distance. We get the sense of space before they show up in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And I, I really think that, again, the movie benefits from taking that time. What are your thoughts as we enter Chicago, the hustle and bustle, the Windy City? I Bi- thought... Busy streets. What the heck was that about? Yeah. That's a lot of things no happening in Chicago. No one's watching TV. Yeah. yeah. Got nothing else going on. Everyone's out of work. It's the 30s. Oh, yeah. Depression, I guess, would be going on there. Yeah. How about we're looking what for jobs. 20s was the depression. No. Roaring 20s. Oh. The dirty 30s. Dirty 30s. Stock market crash in late yeah. in 20 in 12. In the war. 1929. Yeah, the war saves. Oh, that's convenient. Yeah. Interesting. Let's not look deep into that. <laughs> saves the economy. Yeah. Uh, okay. Pretty interesting. A lot of newspapers. Yeah. A lot of newspapers. Probably all looking for jobs. I guess that's the idea. The news is the only place you can get it. There's no television again, radios. But yeah. everyone's in the same room reading. And just like Jude Law, we get Mr. Nitty. Yeah, Stanley Tucci. Stanley Tucci. Love like, the Tucci. Saw him at the beginning of the, the name came up. I'm like, of course. And I'd forgotten. Like, just another guy who shows up and kills just it. kills it. Yeah. And in this movie. Especially uh, younger than I've seen him in a lot of movies. I see him. He's a little bit older. And he's still good. Yeah. But I love seeing these guys in their younger roles. They got something to prove. They have more energy. And they just bring more to the screen. Yeah. Now, having said that, Newman brings a lot to the screen. Of course. D- don't get me wrong. Though when he was flailing on Cooper, when he was flailing on Connor, he was clearly pretty old. With a 74-year-old <laughs> arms. That's right. <laughs> it's pretty so, frail. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I'm excited. Obviously, this is not Capone, but obviously, I don't know, he works for Capone? Is that? Yeah, Nitty's like his right-hand man. Okay. I wasn't sure how close yeah. it was. That's effectively, that's the history of it, yeah. Okay. Is, he, I, is he a real character in real life? Okay. Yeah, right-hand guy. What I love is, right away, we get long drive to Chicago, which I like. Again, the movie slows itself down. We just had this message scene, a couple of bangers back-to-back, and it takes a breath. It steps back. Yes. It lets a sense of distance. Hanks has to go someplace to get away from what just happened. Yeah, I do complain about that. I need that sense of time. That's right. So I like that it's yes, there. Yes, it does it. And then even the next shot, him walking down the busy streets, the cinematography again, the shot... Just the bustling around, uh, focusing on him into the same scene with the newspapers. What I love is, again, this little kid, they're walking up. He's given the direction, sit here, I'm going to do this thing. And we get the kid just finally, really, breaking down. It cuts back to him. Yeah. And he's just sitting in the this room with strangers. Yeah, the guy looks at him. And he doesn't know what the hell's going on, right? He's from when... He's like 12. This is, this is 24 hours later almost from not only watching 
coming to understand that his dad's a murderer effectively yeah. watching somebody die then coming home his parents are dying seeing it seeing it yeah. to running away in a car in the distance so it's a lot to go there's a lot to process so i yeah. like the movie again slows down takes its time to to allow that character the kid to really process and us as an audience along with him i thought those choices you could just cut to nitty you could just cut to this and it's tom hanks's story and it doesn't matter I don't love a lot of the kid father stuff, as I said before, because mm-hmm. I think some of it dilute, dilutes the the story. This, I think, is integral to the story. Okay. Uh, I loved the way that, that plays. And then you get the nitty. And then you get... The nitty gritty. The nitty gritty. <laughs> which I love. And, and, and the idea that... And Hanks is so pathetic when nitty breaks it down. You've been protected and... With if you walk out this door, you're not right. Like I, I when he says, I, "I drove all night to see you," that's like a Celine Dion song. That's right. That's what this is about. <laughs> and Nitty just says, "You should go back. I, I can't help you." But the, the pathetic nature of Hank's sadness and frustration. Yeah, yeah. Oh my good. god, I, well. this is my out. Because if this doesn't happen, because then he's under her, his protection and he can. They can. It has to cut loose. That's a, a pivotal. That's the moment in the movie where it's okay. I'm gonna. This is we're on a trajectory here at this mm-hmm. point. I thought it was just a really beautiful scene. It's a great. It's great to see the Tooch. Yeah, yep. he's great. He was absolutely so fantastic good. in this. He nailed every piece of dialogue. This movie's well written as well. Let's make a a key note about that. The dialogue is pretty pretty oh, yeah. solid. Yeah, generally when it, when it has the opportunity to do it, it doesn't. There are some quiet times where, where there isn't a lot of dialogue, but when the opportunity arises, it hits a home run. And I like the fact that Connor's literally next door. Yeah, I thought that was really funny. I wasn't to me. expecting that, so I got to think, oh, okay. So Tucci is just playing the sort of, I like you. That's it. You're, but I can't help you. That's it. But I'm just trying to do the best possible in my situation yep. for you. Give you the give you the best advice I can, but know that you're probably not gonna. Take yeah. it anyway. Or else I'm dead. Yep. Uh, it's a good quiet scene between when we realize that Newman's right next door. That's a kind of a, a cool reveal I really enjoy. And then they have to come up with the... They got to they gotta solve this Sullivan problem now. Yeah, that he's not official, going away. That he's not going away. Yeah, he's he, not going to take the he's money. He's going to kill Connor. He's going he to have to... kill Connor, yeah. Yeah. So he's going to have to be taken care of. And we get idea. Nitty who recommends a guy. Who's the guy? Enter Jude Law. And I figured it was going to be him. He's the only piece Sure, the one we haven't seen yet. Uh, I, there's only one point. Do they play young Mike Sullivan Jr. and fast forward him 20, 30 years later and that's Jude Law? Oh, okay. That was a, a sort of initial thought that I realized I'm really, I don't think there's going to be time for that. And yeah. the way the movie started off sure. feels like that's a bookend. That's it. Yes. Yes. Which you're talking was. about. Yes. Yeah. So I thought no. So that I'm like, this has to be, and I'm still wasn't. I still wasn't sure because the way he was walking and looking, like this isn't Jude Law. Yeah. I saw him with a talented Mr. Ripley. Yes. And thinking, like you mentioned earlier, how handsome he was. Gorgeous. This guy looked like scummy, like scuzzy, shit and scummy. shaved his own head hairline back. Yeah, like he was already receding, but he was able to still look handsome and sexy with a. Well, he had hair. hair later. He actually just shaved it down so that he could uh, look uglier, and then well, he the did. hair grew back, and he was gross. He was gorgeous again. My soon wife after. was very disappointed. Yeah, I bet. I will say about his entry though, and this could have been me just hyping up. 
Jula is I was a little underwhelmed by really? his entry to the movie. Interesting. Yeah, I don't know. Something about coming in and the, the journalism of it all, the photography guy and killing the guy. I don't know. I, just, I loved it. Oh, yeah. wow. Yeah, okay, I figured you did. I, I, figured, you would... I figured it was more of just, I was just so amped up for Jula. Sure. I was expecting a bigger spectacle, but it was pretty subtle. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, so I think it was the subtle. It was, He's a monster, ultimately. Yeah. And so I, I want a bigger. Yeah, that's fair. And obviously, it's your perception or your feelings, but I, I thought it was perfect. I was like, okay, this guy's an animal. And if you see a guy like this, you recognize that there's something twisted, right? Especially, we get... He's okay. He's a photographer of dead things or dead people. That's mm-hmm. a unique enough profession. But then yeah. he kills the guy when he discovers he's still alive. And then we later see his apartment yeah. and nothing but photos room. of whatever of dead people and so forth. So you do get the impression this guy, if he's going to latch on to you as Nitty has paid him to do, uh, you're going to see he's going to see it to the end. He's a real sick twist. And uh, so for that, I I thought, what a great introduction, because it's just like you're revitalizing this movie now with a new threat. Yeah, that is under the idea of it. I thought, okay, things are like leveling up, right? Like we already know the Connor situation. He's a hothead. This guy is something different. This guy is is calculated. This guy is is really messed up. So I really like that as an element. I think in my head, I'm picturing this. The movies have done this where it's time for a character introduction. The music has a giant uplift, sure. and it's his head coming in, spinning around on the screen, and then it has like details Tap of, dance. and it has the details of who it is, and and some numbers, and has killed only like I just have this giant entry of this character in this movie in my mind, sure. and, yeah, yeah. and that it was just so come in, I'm take depressed. some photos, finish the, finish the guy off, yeah. So yeah, that's uh, that was it's, uh, no fault of the film, it's usually my fault. <laughs> Wife says. We get another road scene. It's a very thematic. It's on point. We're on the road, yeah. End up at the diner. Now, in between, he's called. Yeah, and he's on the stairs. Yes. He's dropping. We get Not a good quality some pieces of that. I really like that Star scene. Star 69. Like he That's right, exactly. The and they stop in at a quaint little restaurant during the slow hours, yep. as I mentioned. And yep. the, the waitress says, this is busy. Yes. Like two people in here. Four people, I guess. Um... Tom, character sitting down, having a bite. And then uh, Jude Law, he recognizes there's a cop car in the parking lot, walks in. We see the cop at the diner. We get the idea that he's leaving soon. And then there's an interaction between the two. You have Jude Law sort of making eye contact with them. What are your thoughts around that interesting, odd conversation? And we're both thinking as an audience, at what point will, if Tom Hanks realize this is the guy or there's a guy after him? Yeah, I... I really think this scene, particularly between those two and, and Hanks's performance more than Jude's, although Jude's is great, I really am impressed with the way this scene is handled, both from a aesthetic, like in terms of how it's shot, but also just in performance. There's there is this moment where at first it's a nobody, I think. Hanks doesn't pick up on much or care. And then through some of the dialogue, Hanks's face begins to change a little bit. Jews as well. The two are tap dancing around one another. Yeah. And then there's a point where it feels like Hanks is now committed or convinced this guy is bad news. He plays a little more drunk than he would have been. He changes the dynamic of the conversation a little bit. The eye contact kind of changes. And then we get the play to get out of there. So all of that stuff, I think, it's short, but it tells us a lot. And I think you really get a showcase in subtle 
eye acting performance quiet exchanges between mm-hmm. so i agree that at the beginning i don't think that there's like any suspicion let's say but by the end of the scene it's only a couple minutes long but by the end of the scene hanks i need to make a play i think that sequence is cut together very good beautifully nominated for editing sullivan now recognizes the severity of what's happening the protection is gone he's now they're now hunted and yeah begs the kid like you cannot you got to follow you have orders. to follow me now right no you, question me that's it like we're in say, get down get yeah. down and i like that scene yeah and it's necessary like and it, it propels but i just i thought the scene itself was really good and it, it does indicate things are ratcheting up we had a languid opening to set up the characters but now i find this movie ratchets where it needs to it takes it to a next level and i thought this was where it gets to that okay all the things that I've heard Nitty say, Rooney say, Connor say, whatever, it's happening. Yeah. And we need to change the plan. We're not going to your aunt's house anymore. We need to pivot. I, I really thought that sequence was really well put together. But you're not a big fan of the next session because we got the car lessons coming up. Correct. Not a fan. I think I don't really like the cars. I don't really like, I like the idea of the bank robbery. I like the idea of that. But I don't like is that it humanizes this character that I don't want to be human mm-hmm. in a way. So I, I don't I like the father son stuff where he's, you have to listen to me. This is the world we're living you in. You like now. a stern father. I think in this context, yeah, I think yeah. he needs to be. So the playfulness of the way in which they're driving and the sequences of the bank robberies, I find is is it's just too comedic between he stalls the car. He Everyone's over, gonna stall. He overdrives. He's, he underdrives. There's no 12. rush. Sure. It happened to me, and I was 21. I just don't think we need it. Do you want to hear a funny story about driving? The first time I was ever. Do you know how to drive stick? No, I had experience with a guy coming where I worked at the gas station. He was drunk. Oh, okay. A friend of the boss's. Yeah. And he asked me to drive his car into town, and yeah. I just killed the clutch. I just I didn't have a clue. I didn't either. But I, my, the girlfriend I was dating when I was 17 offered. Yeah. And I said, okay, sure. sure. It's not a bad thing. To, She's got a standard. Know transmission a little mazda i was like okay whatever and we were coming down the street i stalled it a bus was coming around the corner she's yelling at me yikes bus is coming around the corner can't make the turn because i'm too deep he's honking at me she's yelling at me <laughs> i got out of the driver's seat <laughs> i flung my hands up in the air to the bus driver <laughs> and i walked home Wow. <laughs> I was like, I can't, I'm not doing this. And I never, I didn't learn, I didn't get in a car yeah. for, I, I didn't drive a car again for two years with a different girlfriend and it didn't end well either. But that was at least an automatic because I was like, I'm not doing this again. Yeah. So, break up. Eventually. <laughs> off and on for a while. This man came and drive a stick. He's uh, not a man. That's right. But we, we wow. Uh, again, like, I get it. I just don't think it fits in this movie. I don't want it to be in the movie. And that's my issue is really yeah, the scene is it's, is it's a common thing. It's humorous. Always such a bank manager. Always do this. The, the car stuff. It's all just it's played for laughs. Yeah. And at this point in the movie, I don't want laughs. I want more intensity. I want more. I like that relationship. I like the little bit of softening, of bonding and softening because I think that's just character growth. I know you're not a big fan of growth, but... I like it later. I like it in the hotel. I don't so much care for it here. Then there's an interaction. I think it should be next on your list. Is an interaction between Tucci's character and Connor. Connor doesn't want to be in the room anymore. He doesn't want to be cooped up like he's in prison. 
and there's a line that says, you don't know your thumb from your dick. <laughs> and I love how strong Tucci's character is, Adam. Like, I love his strength sure. as a character. Yep. And at the end, of course, Connor plays the dad card. Yes. Like, Think about sort. the future. Yeah. So yeah. I'm gonna run. The, I'm gonna be running the show. Yeah. And when I am, I'm gonna remember this. And I hate when people are in that situation. Of course, they're the worst people. Yeah. Spoiled brats of of sons of, of powerful men. Yep. Can't stand them. But as a character, obviously, yeah, that's the it's, scene. It's a real right? thing, a, right? Exactly. That's the thing. Like yeah. you, it's, it's real society. I think that's a really fun scene. And my next note was Mr. Rance. Yes, of course, the hotel sequence. Yes. Yes, that would be that sequence. Yeah. Yeah. It's. I think this is. Again, impeccable filmmaking. The structure yeah. of this scene, the pacing of it, the editing of it, the performances, the everything about it, I just think is great. Uh, the look of it, again, the aesthetic, uh, I just think everything about it is really running as good as it can be. I like Dylan Baker's performance. Yes. Oh, he's great, yeah. I like that they have this whole room, that he and, and Michael have this room, that they're planning for... What's next? They've got to talk to this guy. They find him. Michael Sullivan finds him. And this is nice. This is a hotel in town. That's right. How do you find me? This is it. Fancy pants. Fancy rancy, I call him. I think the only thing I don't like so much is that it's a little too much of do this. No. Gun to my head. Okay. That's how it was, Phil. It's, it's okay. I just was. felt like it, it was a little re- repetitive. But I like the performance. I like the, the way it, it shakes out. And I like what ends up happening with the kid cutting in and in, in between the kid having to give the notice Jude law looking at the window, waiting for the curtain, Dylan Baker's trying to stall for time. Cause he knows that he's set up it? Yeah. It, playing all of that. And Michael gradually getting more and more frustrated, more and more paranoid, looking over his shoulder, wondering what's going on music, the ticker tape, what the right, the, this, the cutting of this and the interactions and mm-hmm. stuff like that. I just think is so excellent and compelling it hits all the beats it, it does, there's nothing there's points where you can get frustrated oh the kid's not gonna see jude law character yeah but he it does, does and it's not and he is honking the horn yep. and it's the ticker bopper whatever that is the telegram machine or yeah, yeah. something yeah and that's why he can't hear the horn yep so i love that so good so it was, it's a perfect blend of everything you want in a scene it gets action-packed there's the each character gets shot yeah then yeah we get the fight you usually expect just all out misses and then he gets away but no jude law takes it in the face yes and which i loved yeah which is like was such a good choice like great scene and he's yeah. trying just to get out to the window and look at it and, and gets a shot off and hits yep forgives Sullivan a flesh wound himself yep and then the rants didn't end well yeah didn't end well for him i guess the <laughs> shotgun went through the wall and yes. hit him yeah yes that sucks. Not through the trunk, but through the wall. Yeah, that's a shame. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it'll be missed. bad. So yeah, I love. Yeah, I love everything about that scene too. I think this movie knows when to rev it up. There's this movie never lags, and when there's maybe a, just an inkling of this movie slowing down too much, poof, here we are again. Yeah, and it, with a, a, just another great scene that just keeps the. I think uh, the score as well does a lot in this scene. Oh, I just, it's all the pieces firing on all the cylinders. Yeah. I just think it's perfect. The soundtrack isn't like prominent throughout the whole movie. But when it's there at the right time and it's a beautiful marriage between that and yeah. what's happening on the screen, that just it, it just lightens up my eyes. Yeah, that's a sequence, like I said, that you could take out of that and just go, this is how you make yeah. this Well done, scene. Mendez. It's, it's, it's really well put well together. Played. Um, we go from there to the 
Farmhouse. Farmhouse, that's right. Yes. You know, tending to his wounds and so forth. Yeah. But they, they got some good people. Yes. Which is helpful. Lucked out. I love the comment that she makes, the lady, that the, the wife there, uh, he dotes on you. Yeah. I like that a little bit of, uh, I didn't realize he did, but clearly he does. I guess. In a 30s kind of doting, sure. doting way. But what I love is the conversation, the father and son between Mike and Mike. Yeah. About, I was, I didn't like Peter more. I didn't, my issue was, I, I felt that you were more like me. And that sort of scared him. I think that's what he said. He said, I didn't want you to be. Yeah, exactly. I didn't want you, exactly, for obvious reasons, because yeah. he's a cold blood murderer. And then they talked about, they're talking about school and not be not being good at math. I'm not good at math either. No, mm-hmm. we're just like each other. And what did you like? What do you like? And he's Bible history. Yeah. And that's great. Sure. And then he was like, Peter was good at math. And I thought, <laughs> I thought he meant Peter from the Bible. Because there was like John, the first time I heard, I thought the same thing. Yeah, I was like, there was, "Oh shit!" His dead brother was named Peter. Yes. And then I remember the scene at the table from the beginning of the movie That's of right. Peter doing math. So I just thought, and was, Michael struggling. He's yeah, yeah. There, right. And I thought the, the same thing. I have the same moment. I didn't write it obviously it down, but when I first watched the movie, I thought, "Was Peter good at math?" I yeah, remember I don't remember. That. That. I didn't. I haven't read the, the the Old Testament. I don't think it's in the, the well, New Testament. So. They didn't sing about it. Yeah. So yeah, exactly. I don't, I don't, I'll have to ask my mom about that. Uh, she knows the good book. Uh, but yeah, I, I thought that was funny. But this is that scene, as I was saying before, the softening of those two in that relationship. And this one you're okay with. This is the one that I really... The stuff for comedy doesn't appeal to me in this moment, in this scene, or in this movie. But in this scene is where I think you're building the blocks. You're like, you're saying you're, oh, you're like me. I didn't want you to be... That is a heartbreaking mm-hmm. moment delivered beautifully that knocked me out. But also just, what do you like? It's the realization that I don't even know. I don't know the answer to these questions. Yeah. And there is no mom anymore. And there is no Peter anymore. So this is what we have left. And it's the moment where they get to really... It's not just functional, right? We talked about in Interstellar last week, the feeling of uh, love, the intangible, right? Like you can't... Mm -hmm. It does not transcend time. It doesn't, but you can't... It it, it has no... It does transcend time. It transcends everything, right? There is no social utility, right? Which is what this sequence of your family, we have to do this. I think it's well represented in in these sequences. This is a ballsy move. I believe Newman's in church. Is that what you got next? Yes, yes. We well, do see Connor's name in the ledger. That's what happens, right? Yeah. Like, so he sees that Connor's yes. obviously up to some dirty deeds beyond just no killing shit. Finn and whatever else. Exactly. Oh, pretty it's not obvious. A big, yeah. It's not a big secret. So yeah, he makes the ballsy move and shows up. And I love the reveal. Did you? What, you, you yeah. Of course you anticipate it, but yeah. what do you think of the actual shot itself? And the, oh no, the it's, staging? it's a good shot. Who of course. is? Yeah. It's the best possible thing you can do with that moment. Yeah. Yeah. Camera yeah. tight on Paul. Slight dolly left. Yeah. There's a lot of things that are blurred out in this movie, out of focus. Uh, All does it really well. Uh, Then they go to the church basement, I guess. And there's one last sort of big interaction. Yeah. Huge. Big plea to just don't go down this road. I hate the situation. Yep. Uh, A lot of emotion there. And Sullivan pretty makes it pretty clear. Like, I'm killing your kid. I don't. He says that Newman says the great line of. Do you really think I'd give up my son? And given the nature of this relationship that we've seen, it is the moment where the blood 
and the water, as it were, yeah. d- differentiate, right? We have seen Newman struggle from the beginning with the relationship between he and, and Connor and he and Sullivan. And this is the moment where it becomes painfully clear it's blood over water, even if I don't want it to be. And the sequence where they have it out and Newman gets to say that the, really the great line and his delivery is so good, but there are only murderers in this room. You don't yes. get the high ground. like you. Yeah. And this, again, is a nice rem- reminder that Hanks is the bad guy. And this movie obviously doesn't spend as much time as I would like solidifying that role. But with comments like this, you get the reminder that he was a murderer before we liked him. Before we met him in this movie, mm-hmm. he had 10 whatever years yeah, of, of killing people. A lot of killing. We like him because of the circumstances that he's in. But it's a nice reminder, both from the script perspective, but also from Newman as an actor and as a performer and as a character to remind him that you're a monster too. You may be a nicer monster, but you're still that. And I I thought, I I loved that whole sort of exchange between the two. His son, Connor is such an idiot. Yeah. I would easily, and and Mike is relatively cool-headed. Sure. He's only doing this at this point to survive. Yes. He doesn't go looking for it. Uh, it's his job. He does what he does his job, but he doesn't go looking for trouble. Sure. He does what he needs to do to get the job done. Yeah. That's it. So I think you really, I'm, I'm not a father, so I think you have to be really a father to and have an idiot kid. I asked my dad. <laughs> he would know. He had that idiot son, uh, and we had an adoptive brother. No, we didn't. Actually, it's funny because Inspector... There's the same thing. Oh, really? Not to give too much away because you haven't seen it, but James Bond has a, a, a half brother, adopted brother. Oh, like he was adopted. I forget the exactly. It's Waltz. Um, Christoph. Yes. Okay. So double three point five. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a whole thing there. Yeah. And that was done by Mendez, of course. Just a coincidence, but there's that too. There's that jealousy and that, that interesting between brothers who one's actual. Parent, I think it's the other way around. I think Bond was the adopted one. Oh, okay, but yeah, as I say, you can't really understand. The Newman's delivering it, and I get it. I understand. I and I, I believe everything he says. Yeah, and I, I'm on board with it. And but there's no way of me, I me being on the outsiders. No, come yeah. on, Mike's the man. That's right. Connor's the fuck up. Yeah, yeah he started it's, it all. Whatever. Like yeah, kill him, your yeah. own son. <laughs> Let's get it Easy over peasy. with. Yeah, or give Mike the green light yeah. and then start fresh without Connor at the pit. Connor is clearly the problem. He's Pesci and Goodfellas. That's right. Sure, <laughs> keeps <laughs> yeah, getting like, us in trouble. That's yeah, right. and that's all Connor is. Yeah, another but. hothead, right? Yeah, he's got the great culmination of that line or that scene is Newman. There's only one guarantee that none of us will see heaven. There's the yeah. There's a lot of good lines here. He delivers some great ones, but that's a, that sort of culminates or summarizes the whole sort of ethos of the movie. Ultimately, yes, it's absolutely, a, it's beautiful, and it. Really leads us, A, to more rain. Speaking of beautiful, man, this is as good as it gets. This, yeah. This is the scene of the movie, mm. in my opinion. Yeah. And this is where Newman's dialogue gets even better. Basically, the best line in the movie is this, and the best sequence of events. Yeah. And also shot... Oh, my gosh. Uh, Conrad Hall's best work. Yeah, so it's, take me through your thoughts and feelings towards the the choices it makes with the music, the it just, gunshots. It becomes a movie. In a weird way. The rest of the movie we're watching is... A TV show. It's built to be real, right? Movies are meant to be real. There's slices of life, there's and that. So 
There is a level of it's a road movie. We're on the road, right? Yeah. We're, so we're moving with the characters. This is a living document. What yeah, this ends is up real Chicago? Everything is. It feels real. Yeah. It feels lived in. It feels real. What I find really beautiful about this sequence is how movie like it is. Mm-hmm. It's everything is heightened. The rain is heightened. The darkness is the shadows are heightened. The style of it. It's very obvious in its decision to be a movie at this point and i think it's compelling and it's just awesome to look at so everything up until this point like particularly let's say the other scene that i like so much that we talk so much about is the hotel scene it's kinetic it's cutting it's fast pacing it's bright lights it's all of that business and it just flows oh if this stops the movie dead in Mm -hmm. the best ways yeah slow motion rain like it looks like it's fake rain almost it looks like it's a back lot like it's it looks so artificial it brought this rain in from out of town exactly (laughs) but the rain tower like it just you could almost feel i could almost feel the artifice of it and in that somehow was poetry it was like a still Mm -hmm. shot like a photograph rather than a movie anymore there's something about the way that this sequence from the moment it starts it feels sure, yeah. ethereal it feels that's a good word phil unnatural but feels so completely engaging and yeah. i loved every moment of it we, you mute the sound you just get the score the reveal of the guy's dead in the car something's up newman knows something's up the look of fuck, fuck. <laughs> and we just get lights as men start falling slowly there's just there's, There's so lot. much to love about it. Yeah, 100% different vibe here. This is the best scene. It's very original to anything, unique to anything I've really seen in my film experience, which is surprising with all the great films I have on my shelf. Of course. And I can't, I am so impressed with, as he's killed everyone, he's walking up towards Mr. Rooney. Yep. I'm just looking at like Paul Newman here. This is the best acting without any dialogue. He's incredible. I've almost probably ever seen and then has the best dialogue. I'm glad it's you. Yep. Yeah, it makes sense. Like we shouldn't be surprised by that line. No, but still, Still, it's just shit. This is it. And I thought that was that sequence and it just got better and better as the sequence came on up until he shoot some ghost it's perfection crazy. and watching and holding tight on hanks's face when he does shoot and he wrestles with that decision right it's neither like one of them or luke skywalker sort of thing yeah neither one of them want to be where they're at yeah. and there's a hundred circumstances that led them to there mostly the hothead mostly the hothead <laughs> but all the stuff in between i i think it's a perfect culmination for these two and the sequence does it justice I think these this father son thing this mm. dynamic this culmination of the movie I thought yeah this is how you do it it's just like a showcase and I loved every second of it and I also want to mention I love the fact that because of there was music over top of all the gunshots we don't hear the gunshots yep yeah at see the end light and then you hear and then you see all the people yeah in their houses like obviously they hear it yep we don't so yep. I love how it acknowledges the fact that. There was gunfire. Yeah. And that's just... And it, but it's 1930s. There's no 911. Yeah. Cops aren't getting their 
too quickly. Sure. People are just looking. Maybe they got paid off anyway. Yeah. Like the cops. Yeah. Right? This is Chicago still, I'm, yeah. if I'm not mistaken. Well, they're probably no, back. They might be back yeah. in wherever. wherever they were. Yeah. They don't think they Some. specified. <laughs> but yeah, I think it's really incredible. And I do that the acknowledgement, both from the, like the kids you said, the people in the, in the crowd, in the apartments and so forth. But it also goes to say, Tom Hanks, the good guy, just murdered somebody on the street in the yeah. middle of everybody to see. Yeah. He is not a good guy. No. Uh, I still think he is. <laughs> I think the movie wants you to, right? But I think it, it, it does enough of these at times to try and remind you that you're yeah, he's the not. best of the bad guys. Yeah. And I think the only problem with the scene, this is going to sound funny because there is no problem with the scene, is how do you beat that? Yeah. We still have some characters and some players in this game. Did you think, for me, when I watched this the first time, I frankly completely forgot about. Jude Law. Don't damn you stole my thing. This is not the point where I forget, but yes. So it's, a, it's after Connor gets it. I'll tell you when this is this when you are thinking about Jude Law. At what point in the movie do you remember Jude Law? Only when he shoots him. Wait, only when Jude Law actually shoots. Okay, I have you beat. But I tell you, it was quite a feel. It was shock. Hell yeah. To me. This is great. This okay. So this was well. Connor's killing went pretty quick. I felt. I love this. Did you see the, the sort of talented Ripley kind of vibe? If you remember, talented Ripley ends with the the sort of mirror door. And yeah. Ripley thing, and I thought, oh, you killed him in the mirror door. I thought really yeah. clever. But yes. So I thought all of a sudden a character who was such a hothead, such a bad guy, just gets killed without any suffering. He's just dead. Yes. Okay. Whatever. That's fine. But coming off such a strong scene. Agreed. Doesn't matter what you do. It's not gonna. Not gonna do it, but that's not the relationship we care about, right? Because that's the thing, right? We, he's yeah. the hot, he's the reason, but it's really it's about Newman and Hanks. But yes, and then that finishes it, and they continue their journey to perdition. Yeah, and they're walking down the beach. Yeah, and they see the house. The dog comes out. Oh, is that the dog? Sure. And then I look at my wife. Fuck me, I forgot about Jude Law. <laughs> oh no! <laughs> and that's the point. I realize we have some unfinished business, and I don't think this is going to end well. Yeah. I, I'm interested, and I love that moment because I've never had that moment where I've forgotten about a character like yeah, that. Yeah, And it was a, it was the first time. And I'm, I'm just, you for the first time watching it didn't, got all the way to the all very the end. So I can only imagine that sense, that feeling. Oh, so tell me about that. It feels like it's the end of the movie, right? As you say, we've, we've dealt with Newman. Yeah. In a most beautiful scene. Connor's We've dealt with Connor because he doesn't even deserve anything more than that because yeah. he's such a sort of yeah, piece Tucci's of garbage. fine right? anyway. Tucci says, we're good. We're good. Yeah. This is it. So I, and the last time we saw Law was with the glass and yeah, he took a bloody shot head, whatever. Yeah. So like we know he's alive, but like yeah. I just, it was out of sight, out of mind. You should have known. And I should have, of course, <laughs> but I didn't. And then it's got all the makings of the end of the movie. I knew there was going to be some sort of, Voice over. something, yeah. But not even. I just thought there was going to be voiceover. Okay. They're going to get to the beach, right? The dog, right? That whole sequence. And he gets to now, I'm thinking pretty sappily, but I'm like, oh, he gets to be a dad now. He's standing at the window looking out. The kid's already rolling around with the dog. Hanks is looking around like he's not a care in the world. And the shot, there's not even, this is a thing where, and we'll talk about this in another movie because it's something I really love, is that there isn't like a, tip of the uh, the hat to a circumstance. So we don't see, there's not a, a cheat moment as a filmmaker where you see the reflection of Jude Law in the window or Law's character mm -hmm. creeps up behind. or You don't 
there's no, no tip off. So I'm watching this thinking like, bring the credits. This is your this sort is of it. your sweet, kind, romantic uh, ending to a movie, and bam, gunshot. And you think, oh, one gunshot, maybe, but Three. then two, yeah. bloods on the window. You're like, oh, he's oh shit, yeah, he's Jude. I totally forgot about Jude Law. The yeah. first time, and even this time, I didn't forget. But like twenty years, it was a little bit like I couldn't remember how that culminated. Yeah, and sure enough, yeah, and then so I was completely stunned, and I was like, I remember being stunned twenty years ago, and even this time being like, oh shit, that's right, you got me again. Yeah, it's like departed was a little bit sure of oh shit, you really tricked me on this one on this exactly. So I thought, wow, good job, and I'm glad that he dies. What are your thoughts? When Michael pulls the gun on Jude um, Law Jude, and on McGuire, we're, and we're left to believe that he's the one that shoots him yeah. for a moment, what did you think he shot him? Did you have any thoughts around how they were going to resolve that particular? So Hanks is down. Yeah. Does Jude Law kill the kid? How do you think the rest of the movie is going to play out at that point? I think because of the bookends, I'm thinking no one's going to be left but the kid. Fair. Now, I was under the impression initially that he ended up. Being the one, the kid, Junior, pulled the trigger. Sure. Ultimately, his dad is like, do it. Yeah. Like, yeah, because you're just like me. Yeah. Then I realized. Doesn't want to be. Doesn't want to be. Yeah. And then he, so it, it, I didn't get it. it. I had to be like, oh, I pieced it together 1.7 seconds after the reveal that sure. Senior killed him. Yeah. That's perfect. Yeah. That makes sense. And my wife even sputters the line. I didn't want you to be like me. And, and he didn't say it. No. I felt like he. Could have been a little good line, but so it gets me like my wife's definitely, she knows what's going on. Yeah. yeah. He says it in the smile, right? Where he's dad, I couldn't do it. And he smiles and says, I know. Yeah. And I says, I'm sorry, whatever. But like the line I know with a smile means you're not like me. You're better than me. Michael could be the one that gets to heaven, right? All of that stuff. It's been broken. That's That's exactly. Yeah. And so it's a really beautiful kind of moment amongst the two. The voiceover is subtle. It's not an overbearing. It's yeah. it's just there. He's my father. Yeah. I don't love it. I don't think... He's dad. I don't... I just don't think it has the weight. Maybe that's another problem I have yeah. with it. Is that if it's your last line after what we've just seen and we had such a good line with I know, I would have been happy with it ending. Hanks is dying. Happy that his son didn't. Yeah, it's just a bookend. Yeah, you I just started with it, right? So. Yeah, yeah. I just didn't love it. There's that's a rule all. on bookends. If I you just, have one, you got to. At the end of the day, that's the, I had minor quibbles, but this is a movie that's excellent, and I don't know why it doesn't really have the cachet that that it, I think it maybe should have after 20 years. Yeah, it's a movie that no one really talks about, and Mendez itself isn't really someone that he's done a lot of movies, but it's not something that comes up when people talk about his filmography. Oh. Same thing with Hanks, Law, Craig, Tucci. Like these are all pretty amazing actors. And I yeah. honestly have not heard a single person talk about this movie in the 20 years, really. So, well, maybe this will start this the will conversation. <laughs> yeah. So I'm really pleased. I'm glad I have it on the shelf and I'm, I'm glad that uh, I took it off. I'm glad that you enjoyed it. And I'm, I'm happy that it, it gets to live there because I couldn't find it to stream or whatever else. So it's important that I found it on it was on Paramount. Oh, OK, so Prime part of Prime. Sure. No, it's just, yeah, well, anyways, they're all in the same thing. So I was glad I didn't have, I was able to get a pretty good copy of it. This is a movie that I wouldn't mind owning. I wouldn't mind putting on my shelf because the soundtrack was impressive. Surprisingly impressive for the content. 
I don't necessarily expect a movie like this to really focus that much on hitting the right notes. Sure. But it was able to not just have good music. It just had the right notes. I feel like with the voiceover at the end, I felt like if, if the timing was right, this could have been a perfect prequel to MacGyver. Because of the point says, I never touched a gun again. Yes, that's right. Yes. This is the birth. It's the birth. Of Angus MacGyver. <laughs> and then I did the math. Like now that would have been a little bit. That would have been in the 50s had that been the case. So unfortunately, it was not. But ultimately, Phil really liked the movie. Again, we watched it with my wife. She really liked it too. She said minus the, the little bit of violence that was there. Sure. Expected. But she thought the story was really good. Very riveting. And our... Or we shared the. I think it was me first, but that Jude Law moment was a moment I've never ever experienced. I think ever in a movie, and Amazing. I thought it was just like, this is. A, I, I like this. There's. It tells me I can still find exper- new experiences, sure. surprises, and something that I we do all the time. So I was pleasantly surprised with this movie. It just got better and better. Never slowed down. Great pacing. Nice sequences. Great acting. Everything was like fantastic. I don't have really much negative to say. Outside of the hotheadness of it all, which you know how I feel about that. As a movie critic of a movie critic, Phil finally delivers. <laughs> That's what I want to sum up this movie. That's great. I'm happy you enjoyed it, and I look forward to next week. Uh, folks, thanks for listening. Uh, we welcome you to share the podcast with uh, anybody. Please rate it five stars and like it, subscribe it so you never miss an episode. And uh, come on back next week, and we'll talk to you then. Have a good night.